Hello all and welcome to another episode of Strange as Fiction. I'm your host Austin Miller and today we're talking about the world's first celebrity chef. But before we do that we have some news items to talk about. Enola Holmes season 2 trailer dropped last week uh, and for those of you who may or may not be familiar with the show that is starring Eleven from Stranger Things and it's kind of a spin-off series from Sherlock Holmes. It also has Henry Calville in it and it's a really fun kind of Victorian detective spinoff series that did really well apparently to, to get its second season already. I thought the first season was awesome. Love mystery shows, especially anything in the Victorian area like this. Um, looking forward to a second season. According to Hollywood Reporter, Enola Holmes is stepping out of her famous brother's shadow in the trailer for Enola Holmes 2. The film once again stars Millie Bobby Brown as Enola, sister to famed detective Sherlock, played by Henry Cavill. The sequel features a case so big that it'll take both Enola and her brother to solve it. The trailer reveal is part of Tudum, the online fan convention for all things Netflix that is produced by the streaming service. I have no idea if I pronounced that right, Tudum, but uh, apparently it's this, you know, kind of conference similar to Comic-Con, but more movie focused, uh, where a lot of announcements were made last week. Um, Another uh, news item that dropped was Skydance scrapping Matthew McConaughey's soccer movie called Dallas Sting. This was just weeks ahead of production. And, you know, I think soccer shows are kind of having a moment, especially with Welcome to Wrexham. That is Ryan Reynolds' soccer show, which has been doing really well um, and follows him and Robin... Rob McElney from Always Sunny Philadelphia, who recently purchased a failing English soccer team um, and follows them as they try and, you know, inject money and uh, revitalize this dying uh, historical soccer program. It's a really good show. You haven't checked it out. But kind of bummed, uh, you know, for those of you who don't know, Matthew Conaghy owns uh, the Austin FC, the MLS soccer team, and um, has kind of injected himself into, you know, American soccer culture these past few years. I think it would have been really cool to see um, him do this story, but the reasons behind the cancellation are not the typical reasons. You know, it usually has to do with money or some disagreement on contract. Uh, this one's pretty wild. So according to Hollywood Reporter, Skydance is no longer moving forward with Dallas Sting, a soccer project starring Matthew McConaughey that was to be directed by the Falcon in The Winter Soldier Carrie Scoglin. The inspirational drama was only six weeks away from beginning production and was almost fully cast. The feature project set in 1984 was to tell the true story of a Dallas girls soccer team that traveled to China and against the odds defeated some of the best women's teams in the world. Sources say Skydance and the producers received disturbing allegations surrounding aspects of the true story on which the drama was based. That investigation led Skydance and producers to pull the plug, according to sources. So I... I... I have no idea what these disturbing allegations were, whether it had to do with the the China side of things or the Dallas American side of things. Uh, Obviously not fun to hear that there was some messed up stuff going on around the real life events, but this is one of those kind of weird cases where um, the real life history and stories uh, have impacted the movie itself to the point of it getting canceled. So it had to be some pretty serious stuff that was going on. Um, it almost makes the story more intriguing now, right? Like you know, now you're very curious. What was a cool story? 
um, and a chance to celebrate the women's soccer team um, is now going to turn into a you know, darker story. Uh, but, you know, I think that's part of the, the overall narrative. And, you know, depending on how, ooh, I don't know how to say, but how um, sensitive or personal this new twist gets, I think it deserves to be told unless it starts to impede on personal stories and lives of, of players involved. Um, but regardless, let's keep our eye on this story. Um, another uh, news item was Dead to Me, final season getting its premiere date. Um, according to Hollywood Reporter, Jen and Judy have survived and they're back for the final misadventure in Netflix's Dead to Me. The twisty drama starring Christina Applegate as Jen and Linda Cardellini as Judy has a date for season three, which will bring about the pair's final round of shenanigans. The final season of creator Liz Feldman's series returns November 7th. This is a show that... Uh, I think fans of true crime, um, pro- I'm generalizing here, but probably middle-aged women will really love. Uh, I've seen a couple episodes. I'm not the target market for it, but uh, it was pretty funny, and I, I I can see why it has a has a big audience. And I'm glad it's getting it's due and getting a, a final season here. So, um, and for the last news item, we have the Grand Theft Auto hack. Okay, so I know a lot of you here probably don't care too much about video games, um, but when we talk about biggest money-making largest video games of all time this is the one for those who are unfamiliar with video games grand theft auto uh was a game that came out you know decades ago brought a lot of contention and uh eyes on it from news media parents alike because it was very uh violent sexualized uh and targeted at teenagers right and there's a lot of like crazy things that you can do in that game um and lo and behold it's one of the most popular ever right maybe because of that fact but um it was they're they're coming out with the sixth version of this game and it got hacked which it's not you know completely uh, unheard of that a video game gets kind of like images or videos of it get leaked ahead of time a lot of people working at the company will you know create a burner account and then leak some footage of the game before its actual release date and the internet goes crazy because they they got to see it before it actually hit the stores or or were, were able to purchase it but in this case this is a much more nefarious hack we're talking about actual source code having possibly been stolen from Rockstar, the producers of this game, and the FBI has become involved because of this. Typically, the FBI does not get involved in these types of leaks. Uh, it's just something that is part of the industry, right? Part of what happens with video games. But in this case, a much more serious uh, institutionalized hacking organization targeted them as well as Uber um, and kind of threatened them and threatened to release their source code to the internet if they didn't pay them a sum of money. Next uh, and final news item for this segment. I know I said the last one was the final one, but I want to talk about this one a little bit too. The Crown Season 5 gets its November premiere date. Um, According to IGN, The Crown Season 5 will premiere on Netflix from November 9th. The new season will see the debut of Imelda Staunton as the late Queen Elizabeth II, picking up from the acclaimed turn from Olivia Colman. The teaser image for the show shows an ominous crack in a palace wall. Season 6 of the show was already in production, but after the death of the Queen Elizabeth, production was believed to have been paused. The crown is a love letter to the late Queen, and I have nothing to add for now, just silence and respect, said to creator Peter. I expect we will stop filming out of respect. So, a uh, very timely show, considering you know the Queen's recent death um i know the show has already older seasons have already been trending on netflix when i sign in it's one of the like top 10 most streamed shows of late uh i think part of that's because of the upcoming season which will be dropped and 
season. Part of that's probably because of the Queen's passing and all the media coverage it's been getting. So I wanted to just throw that in there um, before moving on to the weekly drops. Okay, on to the weekly watch list. These are the shows that are dropping this week that I think are worth keeping an eye on, starting with Hulu's Chef vs. Wild. Reaching the peak of the culinary world has never been this demanding. In each episode of Chef vs. Wild, two different world-class chefs will be dropped into the wilderness where they will embark on a grueling and unprecedented mission, survive, and forge enough wild ingredients to create a restaurant-worthy five-star experience. So this is going to be, you know, one part survival, one part foraging, and one part kind of cooking competition with a judge type of show that i those are all elements that excite me i like all those things i think this could be an interesting spin on on a genre that you know uh typically all we see is gordon ramsay yelling at people at this point in the cooking competition genre it could be nice to see waste and we'll see if this is able to pull it off so again that dropped on monday um so i may or may not have already seen this show by the time this episode drops uh but i'll let y'all know my thoughts on it later so the next show dropping this week is Hocus Pocus 2 on Disney+. Plus. This drops Friday, September 30th. It's been 29 years since someone lit the black flame candle and resurrected the 17th century Sanderson sisters, and they are looking for revenge. Now it is up to three high school students to stop the ravenous witches from wreaking a new kind of havoc on Salem before dawn on All Hallows' Eve. Uh, the original Hocus Pocus is an it's a classic, as everyone knows. Um, surprisingly, a little more raunchy than I remember when we tried to watch it with my daughter. I was like, oh, I don't remember all these parts. But um, it is hilarious. It's a great time, and I'm looking forward to see uh, how they pull this next one off and, and what kind of adventures they get up to. I think they should have released this a long time ago. I'm surprised it took this long for a second one to come out, considering how many people love the original. But excited nevertheless. So. All right, and that's it for this week's drops that I wanted to talk about. Um, we'll move on to today's main topic, which is the world's first celebrity chef. Now, if you're a frequent user of TikTok, Instagram, or YouTube, you know celebrity chefs are everywhere. Seems like a dozen or so new at-home baker or cooks blow up each year, garnering millions of followers. Not to mention the heavy hitters all over our TV screens, like Buddy Velastro, aka The Cake Boss, Bobby Filet, Giada, The Pioneer Woman, or Paula Hollywood, and the ever-popular cast from The Great British Baking Show, or Hulu's very recent hit show, Chef, which has definitely had a moment these past few months. But where did all this come from? Perhaps your mind goes to the beloved home cook, Julia Child. While she may very well be the first celebrity V chef, she is by no means the first celebrity chef. And although I would absolutely love to give the credit to the fellow American, unfortunately that title belongs to none other than the Frenchman by the name of Marie Antoine Caramel, who lived a short but prolific life from 1784 to- Yes, my friends, whether it's the croissant, macaron, fries, or souffle, we must once again give the French their due for their culinary prowess. French medieval cooking was very seasonal, as there weren't as many preservations as there are today, and royalty would eat wild game with fruits and grains, while the peasants would dine on vegetables and legumes and seasonings and spices, all which were status symbols. The first cookbook was published in 1650, titled Le Cuisinaire Francois, or French Cuisine, and this inspired other chefs to start writing down their recipes and techniques. The 1789 French Revolution was another driving 
driving behind the revolution and spread of cooking as we know since it rid the country of burdensome restrictions. It was around this time, the turn of the 19th century, that our friend and first celebrity chef, Marie-Antoine Carame, burst onto the scene from seemingly nowhere and rose all the way to the very top with best-selling cookbooks and infamous feasts that were all the rage of the ruling class. He would regularly draw crowds outside the bakery window where people would gather to see his latest creation. He was an early champion of the extravagant cooking style known as grande cuisine, a haughty form of cooking that was considered high art and was all the rage for rich Parisians. But Carame himself didn't have such a privileged upbringing. In fact, he was born into a family of 25 children and was abandoned by his father at the tender age of 12. This pushed him to become a kitchen boy for a chop house in Paris in exchange for room and board. A few years later, he started to apprentice for a well-known baker who owned a patisserie in an upscale, popular neighborhood in Paris, a decision that would alter his fate and ours. Even though when he started, he was illiterate, he learned the craft quickly and pioneered new ways of preserving the taste and appearance of dishes after being prepared. Bailey, the baker he apprenticed for, encouraged him to learn to read and write and to spend time in the library. It was there that he pored over architectural books, something that would heavily influence his intricate sugar and marzipan design work. As a teenager, he constructed edible architectural replicas of ancient Greek ruins, Chinese fortresses, and other opulent designs, sometimes as large as four feet tall. It was these designs that brought onlookers to the bakery windows. But what propelled him from intriguing and talented baker to international renown was a job for a French diplomat who tasked him with making a full menu's personal chateau that would use seasonal ingredients and never repeat entrees, a style many upper-scale restaurants still replicate today. His successful menu propelled him into the spotlight of many other well-to-do royals. He went on to cook for Russia's Tsar, Alexander I, Paris's Baron de Rothschild, England's King George IV, and he even made the wedding cake for Napoleon Bonaparte and his second wife. Napoleon was vehemently against the culinary decadence of the era, but felt pressured by the nobility to accept it. His celebrity was much more than regional. He was able to attain fame throughout Europe and rise to such a status that he could pick and choose the jobs that suited him most and paid him handsomely. Quite the feat for an abandoned boy with 24 siblings. His extravagance knew no bounds, putting the Cheesecake Factory's menu to shame. For one feast, he created a menu with over 100 120 dishes. I repeat, for a single feast, over 120 dishes. Thus far, we are only scratching the surface. His list of accomplishments is truly exhausting. Creating the chef's uniform, yes, the same white coat and tall white hat in use today, inventing the four mother sauces of French cuisines including bechamel, and even being the first chef to pipe meringue decoratively through a bag. Way ahead of his time, in some of his later cookbooks, he would start to leave sketches of himself so the public would recognize him. Carame would have been a huge fan of social media today. He has been credited for pulling French cooking out of the medieval age and evolving it into modern cuisine, turning food into something more than sustenance, but a high art. In the end, what brought him life also took it away. Years of working over coal fires and unventilated kitchens damaged his lungs, resulting in an early end for the world's first celebrity chef. It's a shame Carame's name is not more broadly known, and hopefully one day soon we'll see a Downton Abbey-like historical dramatization of his life that cements itself and his legacy to popular culture. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. Um, appreciate everyone's support. If you follow me on Instagram, you may have seen that I posted a picture of uh, us hitting 16,000 followers on TikTok, which is awesome. That's something I don't think I would have ever imagined me saying, um, but love knowing that there's other people out there who enjoy history and pop culture um, and just kind of quirky stories and things that just don't get discussed enough. So I appreciate you all out there and looking forward to seeing you next week. Sweet, I'm so tired of your